Hello and welcome to The Double Life, I'm John Buzar, and this week we head to London in the United Kingdom and sit down with musician Murphy. We discuss the early days of playing jazz music, touring with bands, and creating albums that transcend all the genres of modern day music. Enjoy an inside look into the world of a multi-talented musician. And before we get into the interview, I want to play a little music from his latest album, The Velvet Hue of You. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely not commercial. So I think um, in terms of commerciality over here as well, there's quite a lot of obviously that pop sound of um, kind of electronic um, elements that it's not always bad, but um, you don't, you're rarely going to get those kind of like um, jazz chords that I personally love. Like I love harmony and I love... um, just like how a chord like on its own can sound horrible, but if you put it in the right context, it can sound amazing. I just think that's a really cool thing. Um, but you're not going to really get that in commercial music because, or not yet anyway, just because like, it's not like super easy, easily digestible, um, which I get like, um, it's cool. But, um, so I think my music's definitely not commercial. So I think in terms of what you were saying about what you're hearing over there, it's probably not too dissimilar from what, is being heard over here, like on like the main radios. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a massive, what I personally think is a massive uprising of soul and um, jazz and neo soul um, that's kind of coming to the forefront. There's some 
artists that I think some of them have like more of a prominent jazz element or like a neo soul element than others, but they're coming to the front quite hard and fast. So yeah, no, definitely. Um, that's, that's good to hear. Um, for, I guess as listeners, uh, just a little bit of introduction, uh, like sort of just to your name and I guess where you're from and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm Murphy. I'm from uh, England. I'm currently living on the outskirts of London. Um, I've got um, an EP already out from last year, and I've got an EP coming um, early next year. Um, and yeah, like like John was saying, it's um, soul, R&B, jazz, um, ballpark. But I'll let you figure out what you what box you want to put it in yourself i don't know i don't really like boxes so. yeah no that's fair i think that's uh i don't know i guess it could be relatively a common thing i think amongst the musicians that take it seriously and have like a true passion and love for it they don't like to i guess like pigeonhole themselves in a certain category or whatever and it's i don't know i, I guess what i'm seeing more and more now maybe not necessarily in the main like pop front, but just in general for music, it's becoming more multi-layered and kind of like a mixture of different types of music. Um, so it isn't just like one category anymore, which I think is a good thing. I think people are experimenting and putting genres of music together that, you know, traditionally probably wouldn't go together and people are experimenting and being creative, you know? A hundred percent, man. And I think, um, yeah, like you say, that's like a great thing. But I think, like, yeah, a lot of musicians don't want to be pigeonholed for that reason. They want to be able to pull from like different places of music they like. You know, they don't, I mean, obviously not everyone, but just obviously whatever I say is just like my opinion and my own experience. But I think for me, if I want to, if I suddenly like get really into like one like kind of, um, style of music or like an element of a style of music and I want to put that in my stuff I don't want anyone to turn around and be like no you're just a soul singer you don't get to put this in there mm. we've boxed so do you know what I mean it's just quite limiting and quite narrow-minded and I think you know get rid of yeah I, I get that you have to have the genre box because that's how people um can get into you quite easily it's kind of like a safe um, way for people to just say, go like, hey, I'm kind of into these genres. Are you in them? You know, and that's cool. Hmm. Uh, I think saying like an artist is just one genre is quite a dangerous thing. And like, just in terms of like exploration, like, so like Tyler the Creator is like a great example. Like his um, Flower Boy album and his Igor album are both amazing, but both very different. Whereas if some, and like his albums before that, whereas if someone just went, no, you're just a rapper and he like listened to them, which thank God he didn't. Hmm. But if he did, he would have never made that. Do you know what I mean? And I just think like, we potentially like would miss out on a lot of good stuff if we all just said, yeah, I just do this genre and that's it. So yeah, it's that ballpark, like soul, R&B, jazz. But yeah, I, I don't want to be like, it's only ever going to be like that. And that's all it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Let's... uh I don't know, maybe rewind a little bit. When, I guess, where were you born and sort of the early music influences that you had? And, you know, I guess uh, I'm assuming, and I mean, generally, it's not good to assume, but my assumption is that you grew up listening to jazz music and soul music, and that's kind of what your was playing around the house, and that's where your love for me came from, or am I um, not accurate? Kind of, kind of. I mean, like, yeah, you're like half right. Um, and just like a precursor, like, if I waffle too much, just tell me shut up, because um, that's like my worst 
thing. I'll waffle for days. Oh no, it's a podcast. Do all the talking you want, man. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> um, well, okay. So it started, my dad's a music teacher or was a music teacher. Um, and then he used to be in the army and played, um, like brass in, in the army band. Oh, that's cool. And then he became a music teacher. So I would like grow up going to, um, every now and then going and seeing him playing like pit bands for like, um, shows and that kind of thing. And then one day he brought back like a load of trumpets to, um, clean for, from his school or something that I think they gave them to the students or whatever. And, uh, I basically was like, yo, can I, can I have a go on one of these? And he let me, and then, you know, no one was using that trumpet for a while, so he just said, right, you can hang on to it. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get some lessons. Um, I think I must have been, like, I think I was only, like, nine or ten. I was quite young because, like, we went to go get a lesson first, and the guy was like, I'm not going to teach him because, like, putting that pressure on your head when you're that young is, like, not a good idea. Mm. Um, teach him when he's, like, um, ten or however old it was, I don't know. Um but yeah, so for the first bit, like I couldn't get a lesson because he was like, you're too young, you're going to damage your brain. Um, but when I finally got lessons, that, that was kind of it. Um, and then, But it was never jazz music really for a while. Like the first few years, it was um, just like normal kind of trumpet studies, like Baroque music and just like all those kind of standard like classical stuff that I don't know, I was never really that interested in. But I think when you're that young, you just something gets put in front of you and you just go, okay. Um, but yeah, then I started getting into, um, big orchestras and bands like in my County. So like I'm originally from Colchester. I'm not actually from London. It's, um, in a County called Essex, which is about an hour or so from London. Um, and I'm now in Romford, which is on the border between that County and out of London. So I'm in like greater London, but Hmm. yeah, so I started playing in, a load of bands and orchestras for Essex, um, like a symphony orchestra and a couple others, I think. But anyway, then there was a jazz band that um, I got in. It was like, but it was like a big band. It wasn't like a four piece. It was like, it must've been like eight trumpet players and mm-hmm. like, you know, big sections. And I, and uh, all of these things, cause, cause I started so young, I was always, the, I was always the youngest one and I was always like a small kid. So it was kind of like a bit, comic really like this massive band and then there's like this little kid with a trumpet like on the end so um how did that feel for you at that time I mean you were still pretty young and I guess just taking a pause to reflect on a couple of things that you said one I guess I would want to know is you started practicing and playing you know kind of the music that was presented to you in the beginning was that the kind of music that your dad was playing and kind of uh I don't know sort of presenting to you and was like hey this is kind of, I think, like the fundamentals of music and the sort of what you should learn? Or was it like, I don't know, you wanted to end up doing what you're doing where we stopped or being in the big jazz band and orchestra and stuff? Did you feel like in order to get to that point, you had to learn this sort of music or what was the mindset going into that? Um, so looking back, I think the jazz band, and it was like the same throughout. So like by the time I got to secondary school, um, they made me basically be in every band going which included like orchestras and all this kind of thing and there was one jazz band so throughout like the whole thing there's always been like all these other orchestras like symphony orchestra and like just like classical music orchestra and stuff and then there'd be like one jazz band and the jazz band was always seen as like fun 
it was always like, oh, this is for fun, but like this is like the serious stuff, um, which was maybe like not an intentional thing. But so the to like come to your question, the reason I was doing that kind of classical and like baroque trumpet and stuff was because um, I was doing grades. So like all the grades for like um, the trumpet and whatever course I was doing, like trying to get the grades for, there was no jazz music in it. It was just like um, Haydn and like, I can't even remember. I've blocked it out my memory so hard. Like, but it's like classical music and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I got like quite far quite quickly. Like I think I got to, um, I think I got to grade five by the time I was, I, I don't know, I want to say like 14, maybe 13. I don't know. But, um, but I didn't really, I don't know. I don't want to be like I didn't enjoy it, but it was just like a thing I did, you know, like I'd been doing it for so long and I was just like working my way through the grades that it was just like, that was what I did. I didn't really question it. Um, and at this point, like I didn't sing, like I tried to get in a choir at my first secondary school and the music guy was like, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. he was like, suck, you can't join, which um, I would never say to a kid. Like I'd never say like, you can't do this or like you can't do anything i'd maybe say like you need to work on it and let's figure out how to do that but i'd never say to a kid like no yeah i think it's interesting that you had this person just now tell you no and then originally earlier on you had someone tell you you can't take lessons because you're too young so it's like that's almost a different parallel right you have someone who's like looking out for you at least saying they are you know by saying like hey you know too young maybe wait a little bit older it's gonna be better for you and then yeah. on the other end, you have someone who's, I mean, I don't know if he was looking out for you, but he may, just he said, no, you suck. Go find something else. I mean, that's pretty discouraging and not something you should, I guess, tell to someone who's a kid and wanting to explore different avenues. So I think that's interesting. It's two different parallels of influences think, you had. I'd never really like looked at that, but it's interesting you like um, observe it. But I think the second guy was just looking out for his choir and he was like, you're going to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, the first guy was definitely looking out for me. Like my first trumpet teacher was genuinely like one of the coolest dudes going. Like I think um I think every trumpet teacher I had oh always had like a great sense of humor. And I like saw it among like a lot of brass players. I don't know if it's like a trait that is inherent <laughs> loads of brass players, but that loads of them are like hilarious. They're all like really cool, down to earth people. Um or the ones that taught me anyway were I was fortunate enough to have the them ones but but yeah like so to answer your question sorry the um like the classical music and all that kind of stuff it was more um something to like try and open doors for me rather than something I actually wanted to do or something oh it's I don't know maybe that sounds wrong saying like something I didn't want to do but it it wasn't like jazz music for me like and even and even then because I was so young like I was like yeah this jazz music's fun I didn't really get it. Like, it was just like, hey, like, I go to this on a Sunday, just like I go to this on a Wednesday. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It wasn't part of your life. Yeah, literally. Because cause I think because you're so young, you just don't question it. Do you know what I mean? You just go, yeah, I play trumpet. Right, yeah. There's no, like, I play trumpet and that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Or And I enjoy the, this music better than others. It was just like, I play trumpet. That's that's it. Um, But my second secondary school... um. Yeah, I had the jazz band and I'd left like the Essex um, bands because I didn't really have time for them anymore. So I was just doing all the stuff at this school. Um, I got in the choir there. That was cool. Um, but again, it was like 
choral like church music so like it was it was cool and I really liked the harmony and some of it but like it wasn't my kind of music you know I wanted to I wanted some gospel or something or just like soul I think I've always just been searching for soul in all the music I do not just like in vocals but just in like that raw soul feeling you know which now after I've studied like it so much and I've still got so much to learn but I definitely know more than I did then um yeah it's basically just all black music it's all um you know I owe literally everything to black music as I think pretty much all music genres do I mean even if indirectly like we all come we've all taken inspiration from those genres even if it's to turn into rock and roll um I mean rock and roll is black music but (laughs) I don't I don't know what uh I think pretty much I see literally see everything as either being black music or being heavily influenced by black music. So sure. I think that's what I was looking for. And, um, it wasn't until I got to uni, um, uh, and I, st- I started a funk soul, like rock band. It was more like funk rock. It was kind of like living color kind of stuff. Hmm. It was like, I had some like metal, gu- metal guitarists. Um, like they were from a metal background um and then i was like hey do you want to come and play some like funk like um but like give me like a heavy side to it and then i was at that point like um basically just trying to mimic james brown as much as i could because <laughs> he was like my total idol like um james brown and freddie mercury just um yeah i just wanted to go for soul and presence um so i went for that and then uh to skim over it um when I finished uni, um, my band broke up uh, and I moved away because I was in Brighton. And um, yeah, I started a soul project of, I, I was just doing it on the side for a bit of a laugh, to be honest, because like I was kind of a bit disconnected from my band and I was liking the music, but like I wanted to like just try writing something else, but it wasn't something that I could bring to that band and be like, hey, let's do this because it just was totally, totally not the genre. Um, even though I know what I said about not sticking to genres, but like it was like on, it was quite far away. Um, so yeah. And a friend just was like, Hey, this is cool. Keep going with it. And then that's how I got into this project. Yeah. Did you feel, I guess, I mean, it's cool that you're influenced by James Brown and a lot of like, you know, the black artists that were making that kind of music. Um, I guess I would want to know what kind of music were you listening to at that time? And what did it change from when you, I guess we're younger getting into music where you listen to, you know, a certain type of music. And then as you got older, you got introduced to different types of, you know, jazz and funk and different things like that. Did you, or was it always a part of it? Like you always had, you know, like Miles Davis and stuff. You're always aware of them. Um, I think I was like unconsciously aware of like a lot of jazz music cause in the big bands I'd played a lot of it. And, um, mm-hmm. Being like with my dad being a brass pro as well, and he loves jazz, you know, like we like it would come up, but I don't think I'd ever like sat down and been like, I'm going to listen to a Miles Davis album. Like, I don't know, it just kind of didn't really click with me till like quite late. Like, I think I picked up an acoustic guitar when I was like 16 and just started like busking and like playing in pubs and um, figured out like oh, like I can make a bit of money out of this, like just playing covers in pubs and stuff. Um, and it was a lot of like singer-songwriter stuff, but I was always drawn to like um, 
singers that just have like mad soul in their voice, even when it's just against an acoustic guitar, like, you know, like Matt Corby and um, like covering like Nina Simone songs and like all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I just was drawn to it maybe without really realizing. And then, but I, really, I honestly didn't get into jazz properly until I was about um, maybe 21. I'm 24 now. Um and when I did, I was I was going through, I was trying to learn like jazz standards and I was like recognizing all the names and I was like, hang on a minute, I've heard this before, where have I seen this? And they were all songs I'd played in the big band jazz band. And I was like, oh my God, like how did I like not stick with that and how have I only just come back to it? Um, but I think I just wasn't mature enough to really understand it or take it in. Um, and I had to go away and figure out that's what I wanted to then go and do it with like an intention to do it. Whereas I think if you're just doing it because someone tells you to, like there's only so far you're going to get with it. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for that. I think, you know, not necessarily music, but for me, like, you know, just schooling in general, it's like over here, you know, you're told to go to college and that's kind of like the standard path of success, if you will, you know, like the societal standard of what people expect you to do. But I think, um, you know, the same way that you said, if you go into school or whatever, university, and you don't have the passion or the desire to do it, and you're just there because you have to be, then you're not going to perform at the same level as someone who's genuinely interested in whatever you're studying or whatever, you know? So I think that that's important. And also people people see that and they feel it. You know, you can feel when someone is genuinely in love with their art and doing it because they love it. And you can also feel when someone is doing it for like commercial or monetary gain and that's their objective, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. I literally agree with everything you just said. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, cause I actually, um, when I went to uni, I was playing trumpet for like a ska punk band. Um, it was just like one of my friends that I like work with and he said, yo, do you want to come and play trumpet on a thing? We're going to play a festival. Will you do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, but after that, um, I li- I'd put my trumpet down and I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Because um, I think it had always been like, not forced upon me, but it just been like a thing I did and I didn't really feel like I was choosing to do it. Like I just was like kind of in it by default. Um, and you so decided thought, to quit after you went on the tour with that guy? Um, it wasn't a tour. It was just like going and playing a festival. Um, Interesting. And, uh, they, and I think I did a... I did a few live shows with them, but, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I stopped playing with them and just, um, I started boxing as well. And I think, cause that was something I'd always wanted to do, but playing the trumpet and boxing don't really go together. <laughs> so especially if you're not very good. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I put it down and like I didn't really pick it up for about three years. I properly distanced myself from it. And I was like, no, um, cause I never considered myself a good singer. Um, and I was like, no, I want to work on my singing. That's what I want to do. I want to be a singer. I want to front a band. I want to, um, really like nail my soul vocals and really work on my craft of like soul screaming and all this kind of stuff and like belting and power. Um, and yeah, I just put the trumpet to one side and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and it wasn't until I went onto this project, um, and really started getting into jazz and like, into harmony and all this kind of stuff. And I was like writing songs and I was like, Oh, do you know what would be really cool on this? Like a trumpet. And I was like, Hey, I used to play the trumpet. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, so I picked it up out of like necessity cause I wanted to. And then 
suddenly like all the things that I used to get made to practice, like all my exercises and stuff, I was like, Hey, if I do that, like I'll be able to do this. Whereas before it was always like a chore. It was always like, Oh, this is so boring. Whereas, cause I could see like a reason for it now and I could see a reason for scales and I could see a reason for arpeggios and slurs and um, why you should do long notes and all this kind of stuff. Like suddenly it was really interesting to me. Um, and I kind of kicked myself for putting it down, but also like, I think I had to, to like you were saying to, want to do it um yeah like reinvigorate your passion for it yeah and just like to gain like a totally different perspective and to be so far away from it that i could approach it for a totally different reason that was totally selfish and totally only for me you know not for like to get into a school or to like whatever do you know what i mean so yeah no definitely so that initial period of i guess when you were starting to make more of your own music and starting to, I guess, you know, be a very multi-faceted musician, if you will, you know, singing and you're playing uh, like guitar and arranging these songs and writing the songs and working on your singing and everything like that. Did this at this point, were you out of university and school and everything? And were you like, did you have a regular nine to five job or whatever? And you were doing this on the side or were you fully investing all of your time into creating and making music so um i've always had jobs um so at the moment i have a part-time job um i was working about like 30 something hours a week um which isn't full-time i think full-time is like 45 or 40 hours a week um just before the pandemic and now i'm like on i think like 21 um but yeah like i've always had like a part-time job that hasn't really had anything to do with music just because um partly because I'm so early in my career that it's not making any money. <laughs> and um, also because I'm not doing commercial music, it's even harder to make money. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like twofold. Um, and also, um, you know, all the, mo- all the money I make kind of goes into music. So um, it's kind of like a means to an end, like one hand washes the other kind of thing. Like, um, but yeah, I've, I've had like so many different jobs this a joke. <laughs> um, I've had my, the job I have at the moment. I'm like a receptionist administrator. I've had that for like two years. Um, I got that like just coming out of uni. Um, but before that I was, yeah, just everything like bar work. Um, I worked on a milkshake, um, stand at festivals. That was actually sick. I got to like, um, see acts between shifts. Like I saw outcast and wow. Leanne La Havas, like just like, which was weird. Cause I'd never, I've, I'd never been to a festival before that I hadn't either played at or worked at. So, um, it was like a really good experience. Um, but yeah. And then just like, yeah, just like all your normal jobs, like waitering. Um, I did, I did one job at one point in uni where I was a cleaner for a college, like 5am till 8am, like Monday to Friday, which at the time I thought was a really good idea. Like I really needed a job and the job I'd just got like the, um, restaurant had closed or whatever and um i was like oh shit i really need to get a job um and i was basically going to take anything and then this one came up and they're like yeah we'll take you and i was like sick oh this is gonna be such a good job and just get up early like do my cleaning uh and then go and have like the rest of the day you know but like the reality was that i was waking up at four going and cleaning five to eight um then like 
going to lectures or um, rehearsals or whatever. And some, and if it was on like a Friday night, like I'd go and have a gig in the evening, um, then be out until whatever time, like, um, cause like the gigs weren't finished until really late. And then, you know, you'd have drinks with like bands afterwards and stuff, or just like catch up with people or speak to people that came to your shows. Cause I mean, like you just should, like they've come out to see you, like it's the least you can do, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, then like go to sleep for two hours and then get up and do it again. Um, so like there was always this period every weekend or sometimes we'd have like a gig midweek and at the weekend. Um, and I was like, wow, this is the worst, this is the worst job I've ever got. Um, but I mean, you know, you just got to do what you got to do in it. Um, but it, but the good thing about it was, is, um, I got to wear headphones the whole three hours. So three hours every morning, I just got to listen to music. So mm. it wasn't all bad. I found a lot of artists in that time. Right. So it's always a silver lining. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, my whole, I guess like the premise behind this whole show is, you know, the double life. So balancing an active, you know, being creative and then also just jobs like you talked about um so i guess the bread and butter of the question would be how did you balance your life when you were doing that i guess this job that you're talking about right now wasn't the most ideal for balancing it was very uh i guess it took up a lot more time and didn't allow you the same freedom to be like creative as you have now you have like a part-time job but you're still able to make music and you're working on the EP and stuff. Is it hard to balance it? Is it become easier? Have you figured out like a technique to it? I think I've learned a lot because I've done like a lot of different jobs. Um, and they've always been in tandem with doing music. And I think what I found at the moment is quite a good balance. Um, but yeah, that one was like not a good balance. I mean, it was like a means to an end and I needed a job and I needed some money. Um, but, um, you know, I was always tired. Like I couldn't, like most of the time I just couldn't write because my brain was just so exhausted. And like, I was taking like naps during the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's not, it's not like it wasn't, it, it wasn't practical, but for that amount of time, like, you know, it's just what, what it was. Whereas now, um, so like pre pandemic, what I was doing was, um, I was only working three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, um, I just work three really long days. Like I just work like nine in the morning, like get there for like nine, nine thirty, and leave there at like nine, nine thirty, um, get home at like kind of 10, 10 30. Um, but I'd get all my hours done in three days and then I'd have four days, um, of just pure music. Um, which was like a really good balance for me. Like I, I'm not, I don't really like, like do it, going to work and then coming home at five and then being like, yeah, let's get on the music. It's like after a day of like hard work, like you kind of like, you've made enough decisions that day. Like you can't like trying to make creative decisions. I find quite hard. Whereas if I just like go all out and work really hard on whatever my job is for um, a few days and then just have like the whole four days to myself, I feel like I can get a lot more done. So for me, that's the balance that I've, um, that I've kind of worked out. Um, but you know, it's different for everyone. I mean, maybe some people it's better to do a nine to five and just do a bit of music every night. But, um, I don't know. I feel like I've got to get into a bit of a groove and kind of find, you know, like trying to get in a flow state is quite hard, but I feel like if you do it enough, 
you give and you give yourself a long enough period of time to kind of get into it, the likelihood is at some point you will get it. You yeah. know? No, totally. What is the um like songwriting process for you? Let's say you have, you know, you just work three days or whatever and this is your first day off to make music. You wanna walk us through like what does that day look like? Do you wake up with the intentions of today I'm gonna write a song and I'm gonna have the the like the chorus and I'm going to write the interlude or something. And then the piano part and the trumpet part. Is that how it works? Do you structure it out that way? Or do you wake up and go today we're going to make work on music and whatever happens happens. Um, I think it varies like quite a lot. I mean, I think if I wanted to be like, what is like my most productive version of that day and like what's my best I can do on those days, like it'd probably be like, um, wake up, do like a workout or something and then do like admin. Cause basically I do pretty much everything myself. So it's never like just the music that needs doing. Like it's like, as you can, you've probably got the same for your podcast. Like, mm. I don't, I don't, um, how many people you have involved with it? Is it, is it just you? Yeah. Literally just me. I do all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, right. you know, there's like admin and there's kind of like, just like boring, like jobs you have to do so but we wake up do a workout eat some breakfast do like my admin stuff um then do like some practice um so like do some piano practice do some trumpet practice then have my lunch and then give myself the afternoon to just create um but i try not to be like i'm gonna finish a song today or i'm gonna write a verse and a chorus today i mean maybe that's something i should start doing it sounds actually quite good but <laughs> um, I, don't, I just, I just kind of go, just make something like get to the end of the day and have made something new. And I try not to put pressure on like whether that's good or bad. Cause I think if you go, I have to make the best thing I'm ever going to make. So, uh, sorry, if I try and make the best thing I've ever made today, what will happen is I'll start it and go, that sucks. Start again, start it and go, that sucks. That's not my best start again. Whereas if I just go, no, just make something. Um, you know, and then not really be bothered whether it's bad or good and just pursue it and just try and get as far as I can with it that day. And then what normally happens is I'll start it and hate it and then just keep going on it and keep going. And by the end of the day, I'm like, Hey, that's actually pretty good. Um, considering like I hated it at the start. And if I just quit at the start, like I would, would have never got to this bit and maybe I'm not going to use the whole thing, but like, um, maybe the cool progression I came up with is actually really cool, but I don't really like the vocal melody and I'll just kind of stick it in a folder. Um, or maybe I like the whole thing. I don't know, but yeah, that's generally like how I try and approach it. Um, did you get to a point where that initial period of, um, like continuing and powering through that, like wall of making that initial product and thinking, Oh, I don't like this at all, but continuing to do it. I think for me, man, I've like, I write songs and stuff and try to make music. But I found that in the past when I would do that, whenever I would make something and it isn't necessarily what I think is going to end up being good or whatever, I generally just scrap it and do something else. But I guess with something like that, you don't end up creating a bunch of stuff. You end up creating like, you know, one or two things. But I think it's uh, commendable what you do there. Is that hard to get to a point where you just power through and still create something? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've only started doing that in the last like nine months, maybe. So I've never, I've not always done that. Like I'm, I'm like a massive, massive perfectionist. Mm. So like 
just take a lot of time to like push out. Um, so like this, it, the EP that I sent you like a preview of that's going to come out in February, I think, or the first single from it will come out in February. Mm. Um, I actually wrote those songs. I had like those songs written before I re- released my EP last year. Wow. Um, I had like two EPs of songs and like I'd finished all the production on the first one and put it out, but I'd already written those songs. But um, it was li- it was literally just a year of um, leaving them and coming back to them and leaving them and coming back to them. And I nearly like I nearly chucked them all out, um, or most of them out. And then I just I just in lo- in lockdown I did um, a thing where for like two weeks I just tried to make and finish like. Um, I don't want to say a song because they weren't all songs, um, but like just like a track. Like I tried to finish, make, um, record and finish a track in a day and post it at the end of the day. And I did that for about two weeks, um, which was totally grueling. And um, yeah, it sounds to, really tiring. I had to take like two weeks afterwards to like not do anything. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> taught me it it literally taught me that whole thing of like no just keep going with it even if it's bad it doesn't matter just keep going and then it would end up like not being as bad as it was at the start and I think it's maybe I have a cynical mindset of like I start and I'm like no this isn't there yet it's gonna suck um but but that's so interesting I love that you figured it out that way like you essentially presented yourself in a situation where you put limitations on yourself as far as time frames are concerned and you're like I need to have a finished product by the end of the day, which means you can't keep just fucking around and saying like, oh, this is bad. Let's start over. And then by nine o'clock PM or whatever you're, you know, starting to make it, it's like, you don't have that opportunity. So that's cool. You almost force yourself to learn that trait and that skill. Oh, thank you, man. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. Like you say, like you don't have time. Like you're just like, I don't have time to put, I don't have time to start again. Like I have to make this work. Yeah. And, them are like better than others like don't get me wrong there were some days where i'm like oh i wish i could i mean i am now that i've done it i'm going back and being like oh now i can work on it and develop it you know whereas at the time i was like yeah that's as good as i can get it in one day but this was the challenge so i'll put it out um and then after i did that and i took like the break like i said i basically like had that ep like half finished and basically just went look finish this, like just finish, set yourself a date to finish this EP and just get it done. Like whether you decide to put it out or not, just finish it. Um, and that's what I did. And then suddenly like these songs, like got totally overhauled and totally changed and like new sections and breakdowns and all the structure changed up and like vocal melodies changed up. And because they were originally like really sparse instrumentation, it was meant to be for like a, like a jazz trio that was going to be like drums, bass, uh, and me on keys and singing with some like trumpet in for bits. And then obviously, as you've heard it, there's now like loads of stuff in it. Yeah. I think like you were saying, yeah, you give yourself a time frame and you go, no, you have to do it. And then suddenly you just pull it out the bag because you don't have a choice. Whereas I think it's really easy to be like, yeah, I'll get it done when I get it done. Like never finish. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Has the, um, I think something too, I, found with some of the at least a couple of songs that you sent me was you have features and collaborators and people that you work with how has that been throughout your I guess musical journey or whatever how has View always had I guess a good support system as far as like friends and people around you that were you know making music as well and were you always sort of like part of the 
the music scene over there and having like people that you can always call to if you needed like a female singer or bassist or something, you know? Um, when I first started, when I was 16, I basically just wrote all the songs myself because no one around me um, was interested, basically. Um, gradually, like I met a few people that were interested, but I always wrote on my own. Um, and I sucked. Like I was so bad. <laughs> like no wonder no one wanted to like do it with me. It was really bad. Um, by the time I got to uni, I was living with two guitarists um, out of the four of us. And um, were you going to music like, school? Yeah, so I went to a music uni in uh, Brighton, the hmm. very south of um, England. Um, and this guitarist was like the best guitarist I've ever met, probably still like one of the best guitarists I've ever met. And he just was doing stuff. I was like, I'd never seen before. Cause I was like rubbish. I like just played like chords on acoustic guitar. Like it was just like your classic rubbish. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. and not that I'm saying like everyone with an acoustic, acoustic guitar sucks, but I just mean like I was playing very basic chords, very basic progressions. I wasn't looking into like voicings or, like um passing chords or anything i was literally just playing like average it was just average um but this guitarist was amazing um my flatmate bobby and my flatmate james he was really good as well i wrote with him as well but um i basically just like started jamming with them and like writing with them and they ended we ended up writing like most of the songs for my band and like when i'd put the band together we all like wrote together as well um and I learned kind of like about arrangement because I could only ever really done like acoustic guitar and singing. Whereas like the drummer would like kind of sort out all his parts and I'd be like, I'd learn about drum arrangements and like drum fills and groove from just like watching him. And he was a really good um, drummer. Um, and then the girl that was in the band did um, keys and vocals and she did like amazing backing vocals that I'd never I'd never really like heard harmonies like I would heard them, but I'd never really like consciously taken the time to notice them and be like, Hey, what's happening there? Yeah. So like I learned from all those people and we all collaborated. But then when I got on this project, I was like, um, I'm going to do everything myself. Um, because as good as it is collaborating with people, there's always going to be some friction like the more people there are, the more friction there is, I think, because um, yeah. you've got more, it's harder to get, the more people there is, it's harder f to get all those people on the same page. Um, and it's cool if you can find one person you're on the same page with, that's great. Um, but at the time I'd kind of been so, I'd spent so much time in that band. I think it was like three years and mm. worked really hard on it. And I was kind of like, pretty pissed off because I'd worked really hard and it hadn't turned out right and we'd split up um, that I was like I'm just going to do it on my own and then there's no problem you know like if I can't play something I'll just learn to play it like there's no issue with am I on the same page with someone else how do we want to release it with someone else or, do you know what I mean so that first EP I wrote everything and played everything um I mean, some of it was like programmed and so like I started doing a lot of production. So um, it's all like programmed drums and all like um, samples of uh, drums and the ba some of the basses are like synth basses, but like, you know, I played the keys and the guitar and the trumpet and all the vocals and backing and stuff just out of, 
just out of necessity, really, just because I was like, oh, I have to, I want that part in it and I'm on my own. So I just have to learn how to play that part I've written. Um, whereas this project, I kind of went into it with that mindset, but um, I wanted a sax on it and I can't play the saxophone. And I was like, I've already, I'm already playing trumpet. I really don't know if I can learn the sax. Yeah. Uh, and the girl in my band is a bass player and plays sax. So I just said like, like I've got these parts where you play them and she did and that she was really did a really good job um and then with one of the tracks that had the collab the girl feature on, on it who i won't say who it is yet um you see when it comes out but um i'd written the whole song um and i'd written all the parts and all the lyrics but um i really like her voice and she was at my uni and she releases music herself she's really good um and i just said like will you will you sing I've written these parts like will you sing the girl part and she was like yeah and I just said hey if there's anything you want to add in like do it and she added some really nice BV parts that I wouldn't have thought of um and it was like a nice other dimension rather than just me singing on every track you know so um and and I wanted to get a sax on this it wasn't always trumpet you know so yeah, and to answer your question, I've done a lot of collaborating, yeah. Um, but with this project, it's mostly it's mostly just me, whereas now I'm starting to collaborate. I've got a few tracks with a few different people that have got different levels of collaboration on. Right. Uh, right. In terms of who's written what and how much is whatever. But um, I, I'm loving it now. Like I'm loving collaborating with people because it's just... This the whole thing of people coming up with stuff I could never come up with is I love I love being in a thing and being like oh I think I've done everything I can do on this and then someone coming and being like hey what about this and I'm like oh my god I would have never thought of that um, which I suppose is the point of collaboration but sure do you feel like I guess I mean what would be what would you, be your plans I guess with the release and everything of your next EP I mean you being someone who does everything right that entails you know obviously creating the music and stuff, but also marketing and reaching out and different things like that. Do you see your next avenue or the best way to promote your album? Do you see you have to like get signed to a label or anything like that? Or do you just want to continue to do it independently and market independently and just grow in like more of an organic way? Um, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, I think to circle back, like I think, so the reason I've always had jobs and all that kind of stuff is that I want to make the music I want to make without having to worry too much about money. Mm. Um, I feel like if it's solely on money, I'd be making totally different music, um, which I wouldn't, which wouldn't be like what I want to do. Um, and part of the thing with signing to a label is um, they have to get a return on their investment. Do you know what I mean? Like, they like if they invest in you they want their money back you know like they want to make money they're not like getting people on board to lose money on yeah. um and literally a label that's totally just about the music and they don't care about money and unfortunately you know those labels are not major labels <laughs> do you know what i mean unless they're like a subsidiary and they've got loads of money and it doesn't matter but i think at the end of the day you know it's the music business and people have got to eat, people have got to pay rent and like no one wants to lose all their money. Do you know what I mean? And that's totally fair enough, you know, and that's the, that side of the music industry. And I think at the moment, um, I mean, I have spoken to some labels and some people about 
just signing and what that would look like and what deals I'd be able to get and that kind of thing. But I think I'm just not really there yet. Like at the moment, I've just been focusing on the music. Um, and then you kind of have to like put that to one side and then put your like marketing hat on, like you were saying, and basically be like, okay, now I need to market this to try and get as many people to listen to it as possible. Um, and what does that look like? You know, and it's not with, with me, it's not going to be like a profitable thing, you know, like I'll put um, money into recording it and money into um, distribution and like some like, I don't know, like Facebook ads or whatever, like every independent musician will do. But like streaming is not a profitable thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's great to get loads of streams, but like you cannot pay your rent on streams unless you've got like millions, you know, mm-hmm. which I do not have. <laughs> right. Do you think that with um, COVID and everything, has that impacted it? Because I know some of the other musicians I talk to, um, I talked to a band in Mexico, I talked to a band here in the U- United States, and I find with COVID, I mean, the main source of income is like touring, right? And merchandising, but mostly touring. Do you think with that, it's going to be a little different? But you're not going to release your EP till February, right? So you still have time and it shouldn't be... Too yeah, impactful, I mean, hopefully. Part of the reason for waiting that long um, is partly because I, I mean, I love gigging. Like I literally, uh, being on stage, I just is a totally different beast from just like sitting in my bedroom making music. Do you know what I mean? Like being right there with people who uh, sometimes like experiencing, experiencing your music for the first time as you play it to them in the same room and hopefully enjoying it. That's, you know, that's like, for me, that's like an amazing thing. Like that's the thing I love the most. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, from a lot of bands that I know that are doing well, a lot of them, yeah, like you say, they make their money from touring and a lot of money they make from their merch table, like after gigs, you know, and touring is expensive. Like I think a lot of people don't realize like when you're touring, like you have to pay, for travel, you have to pay for accommodation. Um, if you're like setting it up yourself, you might be renting, you know, you're probably like paying for the venue that night and, you know, doing ticket. Like if you don't make it back on the tickets, like you will have lost money that night and, you know, cover, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. It's not, if you're a small band, it's really easy to make a loss on a tour. Do you know what I mean? Um, a small band or artist or anything is really make easy to lose money on everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so, but yeah, I think the coronavirus thing it is literally screwed the live industry so hard. And it's such a huge, huge element of music in general, let alone the um, money side of it. Um, you know, live music is like, I mean, for me anyway, like, is the whole point live music is the whole point. Um, and then everything else is like a bonus, like getting to listen to music at home is, is like a bonus. It's like, Oh, I can't go to the show. So, but I get to listen to them here or I get to listen to them here and I can't wait to see them live, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, that's definitely taken a nosedive, but I think hopefully it'll pick back, back up. But I mean, a lot of small venues here, I'm not sure about the US but a lot of small venues here have been struggling for like a long time yeah. um, 
loads of them have been closing. Like, so when I was in Brighton, just in the three years I was there, some like so many venues we played at closed. Um, and there's multiple reasons for that, but you know, so this is like a, a totally other, a to a, like a, a totally un um, what's the word? Like you can't prepare for a blow like this. Like no one could see this happening. Yeah, um, predictable sort of thing. Sorry, yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for small venues, which are like the bread and butter of the live music scene, you know, we can't all like go and just fill like a 500 capacity, a thousand capacity venue. We, we all start in these small venues. If they all disappear, it, it will become very, a very different, a very different scene um, and a very different industry. Sure. Do you see, I guess, I mean, as far as like streaming and stuff is concerned, I mean, people put their music on Spotify or whatever, but they're pretty notoriously known for kind of screwing over smaller artists because they give very small royalties and different things like that. Um, well, I guess it wouldn't even be royalties, but just money they give you for plays or whatever. Um, do you feel, I don't know, how has that I think impacted sort of the music industry. You make soul music. You make like, I mean, I don't want to categorize, but soul like type of music. Right. And that's not necessarily something that I guess, you know, they would be like, Oh, we're going to market that. And like the same way that they would market like hip hop or something that's really popular. But the thing is, I think with, um, the type of music you make, it is traditionally more of an analog type music, right? You have instruments, you have, singers you have trumpets you have people making that music um but now everything's becoming more digital you have like a drum machine you do everything on your computer different things like that how do you think that's going to influence the music industry and more specifically the type of music that you make are you afraid of you know future generations growing up and not knowing what soul music is or jazz or um these more traditional things that were sort of the foundation of your music experience uh, I mean, there's a lot there. That's like this. I mean, I'd love to address everything in that and I will try as best as I can. Um, it's a great question. I think, first of all, if I start saying by like the good things about something like Spotify is um, accessibility. So everyone can find their artists that they like on there, right? So we've all been given space, which is a great thing. Like, a platform and space to put our music where people in other countries that maybe could never come to our shows get to like digest our music and we get to share it with them. That's a great thing. A good thing about that as well is it means like for artists like me that aren't like totally commercial and like top 40 chart music on the whole, even though I do think the genre is going that way. There's so many amazingly talented artists that are really pushing pushing it that way because they're just so good that you can't you can't not enjoy what they're doing um it means that like for genre, genres like mine and music like mine there's space for that um and there's a space for the top 40 music and the chart music and there's a space for me as well it's not as big a space and it's not as um as, as high a streamed a space but it's a space nonetheless so that's like a positive thing um in terms of the music industry I mean, there's the argument that like before streaming, people would buy, like your average person would buy a couple of albums a year, like as a present for Christmas or get it on their birthday or, you know, like your average person isn't buying like an album a week or an album a fortnight or an album a month even. Whereas now people are paying 
I think it's like 10 quid a month for Spotify Premium. So they're putting £10 a month into the music industry that before they were maybe putting 20, 30 quid a year if they don't go to gigs, if they're just like your average like music listener. So that's surely a positive thing. But in terms of the streaming, the um, price per stream is so low that the artists, the small artists anyway, are not um, feeling they're not feeling like they're being invested. They're not feeling like they're being um, paid more because the pie is split so much because there's so many people that they can't, they can't pay everyone a pound a stream or um, anything like that. Cause so music is being consumed so much and at such a high um, rate that like, you know, you have to split that money apart. Like I'm not saying like Spotify aren't making loads of money. I don't know what their accounts are. I don't know, but I think because there's so many people up there, there's a reason like the stream price, price per stream is so low. Um, in terms of the second part of your question about um, the direction of music and real instruments versus um, in the box, like production on the laptop, kind kind of a similar, a similar answer. So before it would be, really expensive to re- to do what I do like trying to record all of this stuff I would need to go to a studio and rent the studio space which I can't afford to do which would basically mean none of this music would come out but because of how accessible it is like you can like so my first um, audio interface was like a little M audio I think they're like 50 quid um, it was like a really, like a really basic, like 50 quid interface or like 70 quid interface. Um, I borrowed a microphone. Um, I think I illegally downloaded logic mm-hmm. <laughs> or like gave me like a copy of it or something like to start off with or whatever it was. And like, I could start, you know, and I didn't have a drum kit. I still don't have a drum kit. Like I, I, I have a, I mean, I love hip hop music and rap music. So part of that's influenced in my music in terms of like sample drums and like some of my kit piece choices. Um, But, you know, it means that people like me and anyone can like make beats or make an instrumental without having to spend thousands of pounds, you know, and like I can play piano, but I can turn it into a synth in my computer um, just through using it as a MIDI keyboard or like I can play my guitar um, but I can put it through loads of effects on my laptop without having to buy like a hundred pedals that I wouldn't be able to afford, you know? And, you know, it's all these kind of things like, although it's pushing us kind of away from, as you're saying, the analog side of things and the real instrumentation, the benefit is it's so much more accessible to so many people. So, so many people that before would never have had an opportunity to make music that are really talented or are just willing to put the work in, suddenly they can do that. That's a positive thing. However, I love real instruments and I love musicians and I love people playing music live. So albums where it's all live instruments on and they've like played it together in the room and it's like a live album. I love that because you can hear them gelling. You can hear there's a real feel to the music, like that live feel. So I think they're totally, it gives us two ends of the spectrum and there's pros and cons of both. Um, but I'm definitely grateful for not having to go to a really expensive studio to record all my stuff. I, I record everything in my bedroom. So in terms of accessibility, I'm like number one client. So I, I can't I can't knock it. Yeah. No, I, I totally 
I mean, I, I like that. I think that's, I mean, valid. And I think, you know, ultimately, I don't know, it's hard to believe that it will die out because, you know, we're still listening to music from the early 1900s and stuff. And it's like that hasn't died out. So it is, I guess, maybe, I don't know, I'm hoping that, you know, jazz music and people growing up and playing, um, learning how to play the trumpet or the orchestra or different things like that, you know, that was sort of a foundation of even my schooling was that, you know, you had to take some form of music, whether it was orchestra or being in band. We had jazz bands similar to what you're talking about. So I think that was a really important thing because it did expose me to music that maybe I wouldn't have been introduced to otherwise, you know, especially nowadays. It's like the people that may be growing up are listening to popular music and sort of that's their bread and butter. But I think it is important for them to go to school and understand who, you know, jazz musicians are and, you know, blues and the foundation of like rock and roll, which they're listening to right now. Where did it come from? Where are these music, you know, genres originating from, you know? Yeah, I think that's super, super important. Um, I, I think something that I missed out from your question that you just um, mentioned there was like, are we going to like forget about soul music and jazz music? And I think I personally don't think we are just because I think there's so much in it and it's influenced so much that we can't forget it. And music now is so like here today, gone tomorrow. Like it's, it's mm. such a industry. There's so much music coming out and music. I don't want to be like music's not being made to last. It definitely is. But there is also a lot of music that is not made to last. You know, it's there for quick consumption. You know, it's like fast fashion. There's definitely like a fast fashion part of the music industry. Um, and I think whereas like those, that soul era and that jazz era has influenced so much that people are always going to be keeping going back to it. And like, it, whether it's like, just to be like, Oh, how what's that progression or what's that voicing of that chord or like sampling it in hip hop music or whatever it is. Um, what I would say about the education side of things is, um, again, I don't know what the, it's like in um, the States where you are. I agree. I think, education and people understanding where their music has come from and where um what it's influenced by but also like just on a broader level like where we all come from and where our culture comes from and what our culture is influenced by and like what our real history is and the real history of our countries and our societies and other societies and other cultures is really important and we could spend like a whole another hour talking about that but just on the music side of things music funding for departments in schools in the UK is being totally slashed. So like creative, all the arts are basically being are totally underfunded and all the funding is going to like maths and science and maybe history or something. Um, but the kinds of resources and facilities are not there for a lot of kids. So a lot of kids will go to school and they won't be able to like you know, if there's not enough kids taking whatever it is, like GCSE music, they won't run it, you know. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about it to, like, talk specifics, but I do know, like, they're totally underfunded and loads of programs are being um, not um, given out well because of underfunding and, like, the music departments are struggling and I just think... I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a musician, but I just kind of think like computers can already do maths, like all this kind of stuff. Like what you need is creative people. You don't need people, like obviously we all need to do maths and we all need to be able to do all of these fundamental things. 
I'm not saying get rid of that, like definitely keep it, obviously. But if you get rid of these creative departments and you don't nurture that creativity within children, you're, you're, um, disadvantaging everyone because those are the people that are going to invent things or those are the people that are going to make the music for that film at that at the end where the music comes in and like everyone starts crying like if or when you've had a really bad day and you come home and you put on that music that like makes you feel really good or you know whatever it is like we all turn to these creative industries and they're what they put out we turn to them when we finished with our day jobs or on our way to our day jobs or when we're having a hard time, or when we need something emotionally, if you get rid of that, you're going to get rid of those things as well. And I think that's a really dangerous place to be. Do you know what I mean? Like if you, if, if my, my kind of challenge to anyone would be like, if you disagree with me and you go, nah, screw music departments in schools and screw like extracurricular activities for creative arts, go like one week or even one day with no music, no film, no Instagram, no like anything creative, like no nothing, and see what your day is like. You'll probably start raising funds for your local music department. Right. No, 100%. I think that's a good way of also putting it is that you're constantly surrounded by it. You know, it's like it's, it's a part of everyday life. And it's something that, yeah, I think, you know, when you said that, I genuinely think that is almost impossible. Like unless you stay in your room with no music or anything and you don't go outside, that's almost impossible. Literally walking on the street in a public area, you're going to see some form of creativity, whether it's a, a street sign. That's art. That's painting. That's putting something together. Someone came up with that name. There's a form of creativity that went into that. You know, that in itself is creative. A car is designed. Buses are designed. Roads are designed. Like this is all part of the same structure and I guess that's the foundation of it so yeah man Sam, I mean it doesn't have to just be music yeah like you say like creating anything inventive anything these take like creative minds and they take you know inspiration and time and energy and you know like so many musicians like will spend all or just any creative people will spend so long on what we push out so like I obviously spend a lot of time on my music and like the EP. Someone might, if they listen to the whole thing, it's about 15 minutes. Might enjoy it for 15 minutes, but they'll never understand like the work that went into it. And I don't necessarily want them to. I want them to enjoy it. I don't want them to sit there and be like, oh my God, this guy's worked so hard. Like I want them to enjoy it. But to deny the development in children, um, you never get that 15 minutes. You don't get it. Yeah. That's a sh- oh, definitely. Well, man, it's been a pleasure. We're sort of towards the end, I guess. Uh, you have your new EP and stuff coming out, but do you want to give some information to the listeners of how they can find your music and connect with you and, um, I guess, listen to your first EP and then get prepared for the second one? And, yeah, man, just some parting words and maybe some advice for any upcoming musicians that, you know, have listened to what you're saying and resonate and click with it and are uh, pumped to get out there and make cool stuff um yeah sure uh, first of all i mean thank you for having me thank you for like reaching out and like asking me to be on your podcast um re- real pleasure and really um grateful for you asking me um if you want to find my music um i'm on instagram at murphy with an e um so it's at murphy with an e um, and on Spotify, it's just Murphy, um, M-U-R-P-H-E-Y. 
Um, and I'm on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. So my old EP is on there from last year. So go and check that out if you want. And there's um, the EP will be coming out in February. So get ready for that one. Um, and yeah, I'm always like putting stuff out on my socials, whether it's just like um, new ideas or like little jams or like covers or just ideas. So yeah, follow me on there and like reach out if you like want to talk to me. I'm always up for talking about music or anything really um if if like anything i've said is like you know um if you like the sound of it or whatever um i think advice for like if you're doing it yourself like just just keep just please please keep going like um if people are telling you you can't do it and people are telling you you suck like you maybe you do maybe you don't but you have to start like there you can only get better um and you're always going to have people telling you you can't do it um, but you just have to keep going. It's like what um, we were saying at the start, John, about the when you start writing a song and you think it sucks, but just keeping on going and not throwing it away. Um, just keep going with your music. Like keep learning, keep um, creating. You know, learn where your music's come from. Learn um, like your craft and just just do it. If you enjoy it, just do it. It doesn't. I mean, yeah, obviously everyone's got to make money, but do it because you enjoy it. Don't do it because you want to be like a billionaire or something because I don't know I'm a big believer of like if you make music you want to make it will sound way better than making music you don't really care about so but yeah reach out to me if anyone if you want to talk about anything or you want advice or you want to hook up and make some music like I'm easy so um, but yeah thank you so much for having me John Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Double Life. To listen to more of Murphy's work, head to wherever you get your music and listen to his newest album, The Velvet Hue of You. And follow him on Instagram at Murphy with an E. Also, make sure to follow us at The Double Life Pod. Make sure to also subscribe and tell your friends. Adios.